You're entering the Side Mission Podcast. Three friends that love gaming and love experiencing original content and old school classics give their thoughts on the latest releases and newest topics in the gaming industry. Power up and let's get started. Welcome in everyone to the newest episode of Side Mission. Like always, I'm the host, the captain of the ship, Rusty Ellis, joined by the boys, Kyle Lynch and Matt Beck. And today we're talking about Returnal, the PS5 exclusive that is making gamers break their controllers across the nation. Uh, so we'll go ahead and get into it, uh, Kyle. Obviously, you've spent the most time on this game with us. You've been rather obsessed with it lately, but you've obviously made a lot of progress. Tell me, man, what are your thoughts as far as this game and I guess where it stacks up right now? Obviously, it's a slow time of the year for games. We're not getting too many releases at this point in the year. Uh, what are your thoughts on it? I would have to say, I personally really, really enjoy this game. I think that the level design is wonderful. The enemy variety, the weapon variety, the, I mean, the, the combat, the, there's so much to talk about here. But I want to preface all of this by saying this game is not for everybody. I think the first thing that we should talk about is the game's difficulty. This game is insanely hard. This is one of the hardest games I have ever played. It's obviously a roguelike, so it changes every single run, and it is relentless. It's heavily RNG-based, as most roguelikes are, but this game, it just cranks up the difficulty and just beats you to death over and over and over again, and it's, I mean, it's insane. This game is definitely not for everybody. However, if this is your kind of game, there is so much here for you. If this is, if you are the target audience, I think that they delivered for people who were looking for a challenge. I think that it was very, very smart to make this a PS5 exclusive because it takes full advantage of the uh, the PS5's dual sense with the haptic feedback and the adaptive triggers. It's absolutely amazing that we can get you know games like this on you know this this feels like a next gen game this feels like something that you know i bought this console for and i i got i mean there's so much there's so much i really really do love this game but i'll give you guys a a chance to talk here i'm with you in the sense that we do need to talk about the difficulties we'll get more on on that part of it i think a little bit later in this episode um for people that listen to our resident evil village episode i think this is going to be a very similar one in the sense that i think there's a lot that each of us really enjoy about this game I think there's a lot that we can really praise this game for, but if you ask me to describe this game in a sentence, uh, the sentence I would say is it's a great game that has some very, very real flaws uh, in it. So, uh, but we'll we'll stick to the positives for now. Uh, you hit you hit gameplay. You hit the nail on the head uh, right there with the gameplay. Um, as far as third person shooters go. Arguably, I think this is probably the best gameplay we've seen in the last probably five or six years from this genre. Uh, it's very smooth. It runs at a very, very smooth frame rate. Everything on a technicality or on a technical standpoint, uh, everything in this game runs very, very well. Uh, we've only had a handful of issues, which again we'll get to later, but I'm with you that also I love the fact that the environment changes and that it, it does feel diverse. When you're in the same area for as long as you can be stuck in some of these areas, it would be very easy for a game to get stale, be very easy for a game to get kind of boring and repetitive. 
But with every run being a little bit different, it it does keep it fresh. Even you know, even hours into playing, I don't know, Kyle, you've spent well over twenty hours at this point on the game. So I, I think that the game should be commended for that. The the gameplay is really good as well. We've already talked about that. But one thing you didn't mention, Kyle, and I guess I will go to Matt for this as well because I want to get both of your thoughts on this. So Matt, you first. Um, what do you think of the storytelling in this game? Because I know that we may not be as deep into the game as Kyle. But I feel like the storytelling is a very underrated part of this game. I like how it tells the story uh, through the eyes of the protagonist. Yeah, I do love how the story is told. Um, beginning in the game, uh, it starts off with just these, you know, several types of flashbacks. Uh, some interesting scenes there, like such as just an astronaut standing off in the background and it leaning all up to uh, the, the main character ship crashing on, uh, which is basically the first stage. But also the storytelling as in finding basically these these dialogue uh, messages left behind. Um, I don't know too much about the story, so uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, but it's basically uh, variants of versions of her that have already died. And then like, these are her thoughts um, and you, you find these and it just kind of goes along with the story as well as uh, this type of area where you kind of you find this house and without going into too much detail, there's a lot of reveals in there as well. Um, and the game's not very like it's not like in your face with the story. It just kind of comes and goes and you just want to keep getting further and further to find out more about it because there's just so uh, such a big mystery and in, in the storytelling with this game. And I didn't get to play a lot of it, but from what I got to watch watching Kyle play uh, since he was able to stream a screen from the PlayStation five, I I was very into it and wanted to see it to the very end and um, hearing about how there are supposedly three different endings here. Uh, there, there's just a lot of replayability in order to get the full gist of the story. And I'm currently been watching Kyle trying to find all these uh, sun face fragments that are needed to unlock the secret ending for the third ending. Cause the second ending kind of left things kind of like you're still, you kind of get a much better idea of what's going on, but there's still so much more to it. And I really want to see that third ending. Like I know I could easily go on, you know, YouTube and, and watch it, but I personally want to see it uh, like at the same time as Kyle, because how much time he's put into this game. And uh, it's just kind of that kind of experience that I, I want to see it to the end with him. Yeah. This game is not short at all. It's, but the story, I feel like the pacing is done very well. Uh, like Matt was saying, you find uh, these, audio files throughout the game from previous uh versions of you know uh the the woman's name is Celine and uh his character you play as and you kind of listen to all the different paths that you know she went down and all the different you know versions of her that encountered different you know uh entities that you know ended up not being as pure as some of them ended up getting corrupted and you know, it's it's really interesting to listen to all the different timelines, you know, but I feel like as it goes on, it gives you a little bit more every single time without giving you too much. And I'm so I'm very, very in between. I've. It's hard for me to put this into words. I would say that I like the way the story is done. However, in the cutscenes that we are given, I think they were so beautiful. They were done so well. And there's only just a handful. I, th I think there's like maybe 
two or three actual cutscenes in the game. The rest of the story is told through these um these audio files and just, you know, different things you find throughout the world that kind of give you, you know, clues here and there. And I really wish we could have seen just, you know, a few more cutscenes, seen, you know, some more, you know, uh, of the of the pre-rendered just absolute beauty that it was because I mean the graphics were so impressive. I got to say again, this felt like a next-gen game looking at it. But yeah, that's 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 how I feel about the story. I think the way that it's put is that the story they give you breadcrumbs essentially. They give you the breadcrumbs and they give you just enough to keep you interested uh, to motivate you to get to that next objective. And I think that again, I don't know if the story is the best part of the game because I think the gameplay is fantastic and I think obviously the game runs very very well. Um, so those things I think easily outshine the story, but the story is definitely a very underrated and underappreciated, uh, now about a month after release aspect of this game. Uh, again, just so early on in its life cycle as, as you know, it, you know, again, just went into circulation a little over a little under a month ago at this point. So there's a lot to like about this game. And I think that that's the important thing is I think we can all agree that this this and barring any crazy reveals and in the last in the last few days we've been given some pretty big news as far as games like for Horizon you know Forbidden West and we're gonna hear more about Far Cry Six later this week uh, you know we don't know if we're gonna hear about God of War Ragnarok at E3 or if we're gonna hear about that sometime soon we've been given obviously a lot of hints about what we're gonna hear about um, I think barring anything crazy though I don't think it's crazy to say that this game will be in the conversation at the end of the year for the year's best game. Um, I think as far as PS5 exclusives go, um, this right now is the, is obviously the easy front runner, um, just simply because I think it's one of the only ones. But as much as we do enjoy this game, I think that we can all agree that there are some flaws. Uh, Kyle got into one earlier that I kind of want to get into again. It's it's a quality of a lot of roguelikes. And uh, that's the idea of RNG. And for those that are uninitiated, uh, random random number generation. And that's just kind of how the loot and how weapons and how everything is in this game. Everything's completely random. It's completely out of your control. Uh, and there are moments when that's great, I will say, as a gamer. It's moments where if it's used the right way, it's fantastic. But after eight or nine runs in a row that don't get you anywhere, to get another run that, again, RNG doesn't really favor you on... It can be very frustrating. There's one, there's one funny moment in the game, and I feel like I feel like they put this in the game for for a reason. Uh, I think it's after like your third or fourth death. Uh, Celine wakes up at the crash site and she goes, "I'm already over this," and it's funny because that's something that you know you're going to be saying later when you play this game more. You're going to be like, "I'm so over this." At a certain point, when you die enough times, the gameplay will keep you coming back, obviously. But I just thought it was kind of funny they left that little tidbit in there. Um, but let's talk about RNG. And let's talk about how this game uses it, and if we think it's a little too RNG heavy, or if we think that it's doing it right. So Kyle, you're the roguelike guy here. I know me and Matt, we're kind of new to roguelikes. We don't play them a ton. You play a lot of Binding of Isaac. I know that's a game you're into. Uh, Do you think that this game kind of leans in a little too much to the RNG sometimes, or do you think it's doing it right? I think that early on, it's very, very difficult. I think that this game probably should have been marketed as, you know, a more, you know, difficult game. I think that they, you know, they should have been up front and been like, hey, this game is not for everybody. This game is really, really hard because 
when when you can go through you know three or four areas and not find any health or not find a new weapon and these enemies do a lot of damage i mean this game is very very hard because it does not give you a ton of health and the enemies do a lot of damage so naturally not being being not being able to heal at any given moment most of the time is very hard because you're going to be in moments where, you know, you get into an area that goes on lockdown and you can't leave until you've beaten every single wave in that room. And if there's no health items in there or if you've used all the health items in there, that's it. You know, you have to fight these guys and hope that you don't die. And I feel like later on in in the game, it kind of balances itself out because you become really, really OP. But that's not until at least like the fourth, maybe fifth area. And there's there's six areas in the game. So you're almost done with the game by the time you become OP. And I feel like that was where some of the balancing had issues. Because early on, your game should not be that hard. I understand making your game difficult. But I feel like the game was way too difficult at the you know, at the beginning and then towards the end I don't want to say it was really easy but I beat the final boss in one try because I was so overpowered and I feel like it should have been easier at the beginning and as you went on make the game get increasingly difficult because they do have difficulty buffs for each area because enemies get stronger and you know they do more damage but I feel like you can power yourself up a lot quicker you know, you can scale yourself a lot faster than the enemies will scale. And, you know, by the end of the game, you're just so OP that you're one-shotting everything and you can take down the final boss in five minutes. One of my least favorite trends in the gaming world nowadays and in game the gaming industry, and I say this as a person that is a fan of these games, I'm not a fan when everything a game is hard and it gets immediately compared to the Souls games. Um... But I'm about to actually compare them here. It's funny I say that. I'm just going to contradict myself. Um, I think the difference in this game and the Souls game, and Kyle hit it. I'll hit this on the head with what really makes this game hard, along with the RNG. Um, you can't just heal yourself ret- readily. You can't just do that. You have to actually find health, and you have to level up your health. And I think that that's the difference is that in a game like Bloodborne or in a game like Sekiro or one of the Souls games, uh, you have healing on you. You know, you have that on you and that, you know, if you take a hit, then right away you can heal yourself. You can get that health back. It's no problem. In Bloodborne, you even have the rally mechanic where you can, you know, you have a short amount of time to hit somebody and get some of your health back on those hits. Uh, that's a big part of what makes this difficult is the fact that the RNG mixed with the lack of healing. It makes for some runs where you clear an entire area. You feel like you feel like you've looked everywhere. You've scoured every bonus area. Um, you get to the part where it's time to face the boss and you look down and you realize that you've leveled up your health once and you have the same pistol that you started the run with and you've cleared everything and it, that that's a little frustrating and I think that again I like how you said that Kyle about how it's a little too hard at first and then it gets difficult 
or it's a little too hard at first, but then it's almost too easy at the end. You didn't want to say too easy, but I mean, ultimately, you you felt that it wasn't as hard at the end because of how much you learned, how much you'd leveled up your character, the artifacts you had, stuff like that. I think that that's the biggest difference between any game that is difficult and the Souls games. Is the Souls games are notorious for the first handful of bosses. They're cakewalks, typically. They're cakewalks. Anybody can beat them. And when I say anybody, I mean anybody. But even at the end, when you're super high level and you have your weapon fully upgraded, the bosses at the end of those games can still kill you in two to three hits. So that's the difference in Souls games is that there's not really a point where it becomes too easy unless you're just over-leveled and you're on, like, playthrough number seven. (laughs) So... Uh, Matt, I kind of want to go to you for this next part because this, I think, is the biggest negative surrounding the game. As well as it runs when the game works, we cannot argue that it doesn't have a... We can't argue the fact that it has a crashing issue because it does. You've, you've, you've been on with me when I've had those issues. In fact, it's crashed on me five times and it crashed on me in one night when we were on last Friday. It crashed on me twice. Uh, in the middle of runs, and they were in the middle of two really good runs that I was having. Uh, so how much of the negative attention this game does get, how much of it is that, Matt? Uh, from what I have seen um, online, is that is definitely from the biggest complaint where the game crashes. I know that the developers actually had a patch several weeks ago that were supposedly supposed to fix these crashes, but then it also introduced a, a, an assortment of new bugs. And in a game like this, your game cannot crash because this game doesn't have to save points, doesn't have to check points. If you want to take a break, then you actually have to put your PlayStation 5 into rest mode. And I, you know, I understand this is a rogue game. This is the kind of game where you know the developers you know they're expecting you to beat you know they're they're expecting you to have a, a, a full run which which is why the game doesn't go for too too long as i as i think because i uh i've seen kind of the length of the game um and it does and it does fit the genre very perfectly but it still it still goes to show that this is a very frustrating situation uh, we're on the PlayStation 5 now, you know, game development, I can't make a comment on it. I'm not a game developer myself, but I feel like if you're going to create a game like this, you have got to, in the testing phases, you've got to certify that this game is not going to have bugs that are going to cause this type of issue because it's going to be a major setback. It's going to put a lot of negative uh, opinions impact onto your game. And a game like this, I don't, I don't feel like deserves a lot of negativity, except minus that. Um, even on the, talking about the difficulty, talking about the RNG, it kind of balances out. Uh, you know, midway point, as Kyle mentioned, but uh, it just falls back to if your game crashes, you're going to have a lot of you know angry customers, and then the future of the developer is you know you're you're you're, you're going to be side eyed because I don't know much about the different types of games they have made. Um, I've only ever played one back on the PlayStation Four when it first launched. Um, it was a it was a really it was a really fun game, and um, I I love to see these new ideas mixed in with these genres, and instead of repeating the same type of games that we see every year. So I want to see I want to see this developer flourish. I want to see great sales for the series, maybe even a sequel in the future. I personally haven't bought the game myself. I I, I rented it, and in my beginning of playing the game, with what I've experienced, um, I'm going to make a pun here. I would have returned it to the store. But again, I definitely hope that uh, if there's any more issues with the game that they get fixed because I do end up wanting to you know get the game. Uh, 
maybe a little bit later down the line when it's cheaper because i personally i don't feel like this game is 70 dollars. i mean a lot of work definitely went into it the graphics are amazing and everything that went into it you can you can feel like the love that the developers put into it so i definitely hope that in the future that maybe they'll release less buggy games matt hold on i have a question before we continue i have a question so why is this game not worth 70 in your opinion Oh, to me, I just, it's, it's not my kind of game. That's just my opinion on, I don't think it's worth $70 because I just think it's not, I don't know. I think $70, I think a giant open world. I think of like, you know, big blockbuster titles. And I just don't feel like Returnal is one of those, in my opinion. Hmm, interesting. Well, anyways, all right, Kyle, so back to you on this. You experienced a, an interesting part of this. Matt kind of, you know, alluded to the whole, the idea of, uh, you know, the, developers putting patches in well i know that kind of screwed you up at some point last week because you put your ps5 in rest mode you remember i remember you told me that it was late uh you were deep into a run you didn't want to stay on for too much longer so you put it in rest mode you were gonna get up and continue it the next day uh and then they had an update uh overnight and that caused your game to close so tell me how frustrating was that but how much have you also kind of balanced that frustration with, well, I'm still loving this game, still enjoying this game. How has all that worked out for you? I have to say that is one of my biggest complaints about this is the crashing, the the fact that you can't save. Like, I, I sort of understand what they were going for because there there are ways to bring yourself back in the game if you die. So there's that's why there's not checkpoints and I I mean it's it's under, it's understandable why they did it. However, I don't feel like it worked. I don't feel like it settled in as well as just allowing us save points would have because you run into these issues like I did where I was in the middle of a really really good run. I had a really really OP run going and the next day I wake up and I turn on my PlayStation and it says my game updated and then I had to start all over again. It's extremely frustrating in a game like this where it's very, very difficult when you get reset for something that's not even your fault. Because if I die and I got to go back to the beginning, that's on me. But if my game crashes or the game updates, I should be allowed some sort of feature that says, hey, you know, your game crashed or your game unexpectedly closed. Would you like to continue from your last run or start a new run? Because I feel like most roguelike games have a feature like that in there if they don't have a way to save. It it doesn't resonate well with me that you cannot save in this game, and I feel like that is a big negative that will turn people away, and I hope that if we do end up seeing a sequel to this game, that they implement that in there because that would definitely take it a long, a, a very long way. I will end it by saying this because I agree with everything you just said that the, a feature like that needs to be implemented where if your game crashes unexpectedly and it's something that's not your fault, you weren't dying, especially I'd say this because I think that there's something you can compare here. Look at a uh, last of us part two's permadeath mode. Um, there's a note in it that says if you close the game or quit the game in what is considered to be a high danger point of the game, then it, it'll, it'll be counted as a death. 
I feel like especially in most moments where my game has crashed, I think in all but one of them, I was I wasn't in combat. So I wasn't really at risk of dying. So I, I feel like there needs to be some kind of uh, fail-safe that's implemented to where you're able to pick it right up there. I get it. It's supposed to be hard, but there's no reason for... At that point, it's artificial difficulty, and it's just it feels fake. It doesn't feel like real difficulty at that point. It feels like you're fighting a whole lot more than just the enemies in the game. It's So I, I think that you hit the nail on the head there. Now, important to point out, uh, again, we took a critical critical look at this game. A um, lot of positives. A lot of, lot of positives about it. I think that ultimately... Uh, this game will be looked back on. I think it'll look be it'll be looked back on as one of the best games of this year. I think it will be. Uh, I will say this: as someone who's recently gotten into the roguelike genre, because I've also been playing. I haven't really told either of you this. I actually finally got started on Hades, and uh, finally got to play a little bit of that. I'm not gonna lie; there are a lot of things I feel like that game does better than Returnal. So I think that when you look at this game amongst other roguelikes, I think this game will be considered one of the best of 2021. Whereas I think a game like Hades will be considered one of the best roguelikes of all time for a very, very long time. So uh, up there with Binding of Isaac, I'll give I'll give Kyle and our and our producer Will that little shout out there. I'll give I'll give that little shout out there because I know you both love that game. Um, I'll close it with this. If we don't have anything else from Returnal, we have the fact that Matt this past weekend was trying to talk about the Marvel Studios new upcoming movie Eternals and he called it the Returnals. So at the very least, we have that moment. At the very least, if we have nothing else, we have that. But that is going to do it for this episode of Side Mission. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Side Mission Pod and check out our YouTube channel, Side Mission Podcast. For the boys, Kyle Lynch, Matt Beck, I'm Rusty Ellis. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to the Side Mission Podcast. Keep up with new episodes and download your favorites in the Hints and Oakley Podcast Center.